A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Herlman, sponsored by Starburst. This is Adrian Estala, VP of Data Mesh Consulting Services at Starburst and host of Data Mesh TV. Starburst is the leading sponsor for Trino, the open source project, and Jamak's Data Mesh book, delivering data-driven value at scale. To claim your free book, head over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introductions and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in today's episode? I interviewed Carolina Hensel, Data Enablement Tribe Lead at T-Mobile Polska. Here are 12 high-level takeaways or thoughts that I think are from Carolina's point of view. Number one, business transformation and impact is what really matters. Digital transformation is just a mechanism to transform your business into being more digital native and focused. Data transformation is just a part of digital transformation. Transformation should all come down to driving positive business impact. Number two, to drive something like data mesh forward, you really need top management support, likely a C-level executive sponsor. Otherwise, it is very easy for work to get deprioritized and pushed out. Number three, Don't take on a large-scale data initiative unless there are specific business challenges to address. Don't do data mesh for the sake of, you know, quote-unquote, being data-driven. What are the issues and why will addressing them help your business? Explicitly define the problems and the pain points. Number four, to drive change, look for a quote-unquote change agents in the domains. They are people with the will and capabilities to drive large-scale change. They aren't always easy to find, but once you start to identify them, patterns will emerge for you being able to identify more of them in additional domains. Number five, the big pain points T-Mobile Polska was facing were number one, poor slash inconsistent data quality, number two, data discovery difficulties, and number three, slow time to market for new data and insights. 
So this is what they were trying to address when they actually started looking at doing data mesh. Number six, for T-Mobile Polska, they were able to move forward with data mesh because business representatives in the domains were bought in that addressing those pain points would drive incremental business value. There would be a return on the data work investment. Number seven, look for quick wins and how to deliver continuous incremental value. If it is all about producing a big bang, you will very likely lose momentum, prioritization, and funding. Continuous value delivery is crucial to keeping people excited about data work. Number eight, T-Mobile Polska's data quality issues were caused mostly by a lack of accountability and ownership, and not adhering to standard definitions across domains and reports. Number nine, a lack of standard definitions, or at least very, very clearly differentiated definitions, can cause things like numbers not matching across reports. And that makes people not trust the data. So drive domains to clearly define terms and, if possible, look to create standard definitions across the organization. Again, this is one where it, it makes sense it, when it makes sense, but also don't be overly rigid in that every Every single term has to have an organization-wide definition. Number 10, find KPIs that are focused on what actually impacts the business. Dave Coles mentioned fitness functions uh, to break down measuring progress against big challenges into smaller measurements. Carolina and team are making sure the end result is business impact, not technical-only change. You know, you really have to think about how does this impact the business? Number 11, you can drive buy-in that data producers should provide high-quality data products by showing producers the impact their efforts are having. It can be a bit of a chicken and egg issue at first, you know, showing them the impacts before they have any impacts, but you can take the results from one domain or business and show them to another to drive buy-in. Number 12, T-Mobile Polska has a data owner in each domain that has high-level data ownership accountability. There is a data steward in each domain as well that is the subject matter expert. When needed, there is also a technical data steward, you know, an embedded data engineer, but it's not necessary in many domains. So I think if you're looking to understand a business point of view when looking at, at a data mesh implementation, this is one that's really going to be quite helpful. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Okay, very, very excited for today's episode. I've got uh, Carolina Hensel here, who's the data enablement tribe lead at T-Mobile Polska in, in Poland. And we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Um, Carolina's kind of not as much on the technical direction side, but on the as, as the embedded business person in 
the kind of data mesh enablement and and uh, implementation team. So I think this is really really helpful to think about how business obviously has to play a role in in the implementation and that what are we actually trying to accomplish with the data mesh implementation? If we're not focused on doing something that's beneficial to the business, don't do it, right? Like there, there has to be a return on, on this. So we're going to talk a lot about um, what they've learned through their journey and, and kind of where they're looking to head as well. Um, so we're going to cover a lot of different things, but I think this is a really, really important aspect, especially for people that have focused much more on the technical side to kind of pop up to a higher level to think about like, why are we doing this? This needs to have a, a, a target outcome and, and a target benefit that we're trying to hit. So with that, uh, Carolina, if you don't mind, if you could give a bit of an introduction to yourself, um, and then we can kind of jump into the uh, conversation at hand. Thank you for inviting me to talk about data mesh approach in Timolai Poland. Uh, I'm leading a data enablement tribe and I'm responsible for data transformation towards a data-driven culture. Our transformation journey started almost three years ago with implementation of data governance framework and uh, data quality management. And we still continue this journey and uh, adding new elements such as microservice cloud-based data platform. That is a lot of things to have underneath you. So that's a... <laughs> <laughs> the, and it kind and of the spans. most challenging this transformation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of that that uh, transformation. It's not a, a switch flip, right? You have to keep evolving it and moving it forward. So I think a, a good um, place to start that we had talked a little bit about in, in our pre-call was there's, you know, the readiness assessment. Like, what do you have to have in place before you can head down a journey of something like data mesh, whether you're doing, you know, exactly data mesh or or whatever. I know you 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 all are, but many of the listeners are kind of creating their own flavor of it. But like, what what did you have to to put in place um, from an organizational standpoint, and kind of thinking about setting expectations of this isn't again that switch flip and and that type of thing of how did you set yourself up to actually be successful instead of just trying to charge forward and <laughs> having it all kind of not not go quite so well so so first you need to have some challenges some problems that you want to resolve by this uh, transformation uh, and it should be the business uh, program it can be different in different organization it might be data quality uh, issue or you may um we for example uh, find out that uh, there is um, you know uh, some percentage of time that is wasted on non value added task, you may check the McKinsey uh, benchmark uh, that shows that 30% of time in such large organization is spent on this non-value, um, uh, non-value added task by data community. It means that uh, instead of analyzing, creating insights from the data, they are searching for relevant definition, for relevant data sources. They uh, need to... Um, uh, deal with recurring data quality uh, issue or have a lot of reconciliation um, about the uh, for, for the reports so it causes also ineffectiveness of uh, of data 
uh, community. So by this defining what is the problem, the real problem, the, the pain point in the, in the organization, you may start thinking about the, the transformation because those challenges sh should drive this transformation. And uh, our, we, we have started this journey two years ago with the implementation of data governance, data quality program, because for me, this is the foundation. I would not start this kind of um, uh, transformation without the solid foundation of data governance, data, data quality. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned, for, for me, this is the business transformation and the focus should be on the business uh, benefits. It, because uh, commercial initiatives will always push out the technical one. You know, so it you should design uh, this uh, transformation um, through the business benefits to, to 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 present the revenue upside upside or some cost efficiency that are coming from this um, uh, transformation, and you will not do it without the cooperation with the business, without finding some pain points that can be uh, that, that can be resolved in a first uh, first point because. Such transformation, this is really long-term run. This is not the sprint. Uh, so you should uh, you should prepare uh, top management and all the stakeholders uh, for for that, but not count on their patience. So still, you need to provide uh, with the agile approach some increments that present the value from this uh, from this transformation. But it should be designed so as to. Uh, so as to uh, answer, respond to their their problems, the business problems. So, I mean, my hand is already a little bit cramping from writing so many notes. So, like, that was a really good uh, uh, kind of first uh, answer to this. And so, one thing that that was kind of in there that Angelo Martelli had talked about in his episode as well was like prove that you have a problem. If you don't have a problem, don't you don't need to transform if there isn't any uh, challenges that you're not meeting. And, and, you know, when looking at something like data mesh, um, it's a big undertaking. So one, you know, prepare yourself correctly, as you said, and two, um, you know, only take it on if it's really, you know, uh, evaluate if it's going to be something that's going to be of benefit and benefit to the business. Um, so, could you talk about what were the, the real challenges that you specifically were seeing? I mean, sure. you mentioned data quality like four or five times already. So I'm <laughs> going to guess that was probably one of those. That's something that's in most organizations or was it time to market of incremental, you know, new insights and, and when responding to data requests or what, what were the real challenges um, that were impacting the businesses. Yeah. So, so first, as as you mentioned, this data uh, recording data quality issue, um, and uh, like we could not uh, like when we start to monitor data quality, it occurred that the problem is not only in the or not really in data warehouse in data lake, but it's caused by the data producers or lack of ownership. Uh, and uh, accountability for for data in the organization. So this is the first point. Uh, the the second was this ineffectiveness of data community. So because of the current data architecture um, that that we have, 
or a lack of data catalog. Right now we have, but we what we haven't. Like we 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 right now we have it. And so it caused that it was really di- difficult for data um, data community to find relevant um, data. And the third problem was that. Uh, we become as a data team become a, a bottleneck for the organization because demand on data growing and we are not able to support them and uh, as as you know like we we want to uh, be a data driven enterprise it means that uh, more and more decisions should be made based on data uh, people uh, should have uh, ability to uh, verify business uh, hypothesis but they cannot be dependent from the data engineers or data analysts so the data should be accessible uh, by um, non-technical uh, people so this is so and it, it means democratis, uh, democratization of, of data so this is our uh, target target goal in this transformation. Yeah, and and one thing we had talked about in the the pre call again was um, that ownership aspect of how do you really what what happens in the way that a lot of people do data is that the technical ownership is by the data warehouse team or the data lake team or whatever, but there isn't really a business concept ownership. So um, we talked about how consolidating that ownership upstream really leads to a lot faster of delivery. So like what, as you've moved through this journey, you know, what, what have been some incremental things that, that you've learned that has been, that have kind of addressed those three points of, you know, kind of the, the data quality and the, the data discovery and the um, being the bottleneck and kind of uh, alleviating that, that challenge. Okay. So like, First, you need to find out some a change agent in your organization. So uh, the, the departments that really suffer because of the, the problems with the data and start this journey with uh, with them. Because it's re- typically it, this uh, data governance topic, ownership, data the, uh, data ownership or data quality is perceived uh, as an IT data warehouse uh, topic. And, and it's not like the whole uh, organization, business departments, marketing, controlling should be involved uh, in uh, in this process and should take uh, ownership of, of those data because it's in their interest to have the good quality data. They know why for what they need the, the data. Uh, so this is how we implement this uh, distributed model of ownership. Of course, my team creates the data governance framework, uh, standardized processes, uh, or is um, responsible for implementation of the tools. But the uh, content uh, given to the data catalog is provided by the uh, business people, business departments, uh, because they know how the, what should be the standardized definition of some business uh, term. Uh, and they can define the thresholds for the for the data metrics. Uh, so uh, so and they also know how it impacts uh, on on the business. So it's really like fun because when you find out those pain points, you can really quickly deliver um, the, the 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 some business benefits and prove that it's worth doing. Yeah, because we need this proof. Business needs this proof that it impacts on business. And we have like really several because we deliver. Uh, this in a in a um, in a, in sprints, we work agile, and uh, it really uh, even starting monitoring some processes 
bring additional revenue. So it's only enough to start to monitoring data to bring a, a business value. It's not even, uh, it doesn't involve uh, IT in, um, implementation in, in systems, not always, yeah. Yeah, I, I think exactly what you're talking about of that, especially on the governance side of, you know, people get very confused by the phrase federated computational governance because it is a big and kind of overloaded phrase. Data governance, to me, shouldn't exist because it shouldn't be one topic, right? When you, you're like, okay, there's there's data ownership and there's, you know, access control and risk and there's, but there's the improving data quality and interoperability and like where you're adding value versus preventing risk versus, it just becomes this thing of this team has to manage like 12 different de- disparate things that, that work together well, but also it's too much to throw on one team. So being able to at least push some of that stuff out and, and have that central team to enable those teams to do the right things is is really helpful. Um, so there, there are a lot of different questions that I could um, go down from that because I think that's, you, again, you, you opened up like 15 potential <laughs> avenues for, for questions. But I think one thing that could be really helpful is to talk a little bit about what were your your early days like, right? As you were moving forward, you know, people are kind of stuck as to, do I have to fully build out my platform first? Do I have to fully build out my my governance approach? And everybody's taking a little bit of a different approach to it. So if someone were to come to you and say, how should I kind of get things started? Is it, you know, spend the time to uh, really, again, set your expectations or to do a small pilot or like, we'd love to hear kind of what, what advice you would, would give to somebody that's coming to you. So first, uh, like discuss with the business representants from your organization, what kind of uh, data issue they they have like what is the biggest uh, issue and and pain point in in their area uh, in our case there were some as i mentioned these data quality issues so uh, but we did not really know what is behind like what is the problem is it in data warehouse is it in data 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 uh, so system yeah or maybe some different uh, problem so we prepare a data quality uh, dash- dashboard that uh, monitor in different dimensions all the data data groups that we have and with the process we also assign data owners data stewards um, to uh, to monitor to look at uh, uh, this data. So, uh, and also we have chosen some um, some um, uh, reports in which we have discrepancies, and it was because people uh, defined some terms in a different way, uh, calculated in a dif- different way. So we need to have a standardized definition for for the uh, for some some reports and we implement uh, this um, and uh, due to this implementation we are able to uh, have some cost uh, efficiency by this automation uh, uh, totally automation the, the process of, of this uh, this reporting so but of course in the meantime we started to implement uh, the framework data governance framework uh, processes but it cannot be uh, done in a way that first you do all this stuff that uh, do not bring 
business value are not visible by the business. So that's why we 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 uh, choose these quick wins uh, to every uh, every quarter present some value to the to the business. So we started with this data governance. And then after a year and a half, we started to, to implement this microservice uh, the data platform. Uh, because as I mentioned, these data governance foundation are really uh, crucial and they also visualize the, the problems uh, of, the, of the organization. So then we can, uh, you know, we, we have the reason to start uh, this kind of uh, journey. And we also, you know, observe that that we are becoming bottlenecks. So the the response to not being the bottleneck to really uh, enable access for non-technical people. This is this platform because you need you don't have to be, be technical uh, person. Uh, you need uh, SQL or you can use the the business layer to define your own data data pipelines. Okay. And so if, if I were to kind of sum up a lot of what you were talking about was again, start from the talk to the people. Don't, don't assume you've got challenges or that you assume you know what challenges they are that are out there. You go out and you say, what are the business challenges you're having around data? Or what are the business opportunities we can't take advantage of because we don't have the data? And then you start to, to, figure out what's actually causing those, right? That it's not just, okay, we've got data quality issues. So we're going to all of a sudden say our data warehouse is the problem. So we're going to get rid of the data warehouse and we're going to change it versus, okay, like what's actually investigate that kind of five whys of like, why is this happening? Okay. What, you know, what, why are you having challenges? Well, it's data quality. Okay. Why is data quality? <laughs> Oh well, we're seeing mismatches, and that there we're not exactly figuring out why this dashboard doesn't match that dashboard. Okay, why? Oh, it's because we're actually defining things differently, and because, and then you know, uh, you just keep going down, and it's like, oh, because we don't have a clear owner that's saying this is our standard definition and things like that. Um, I I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that kind of? Yes, it is exactly because yes, this is exactly how it started. Because even when you take like very simple term, like churn, for example, so there is really a lot of details how you can calculate it. Yeah, so those then you see that the discrepancy are not in the data warehouse or not even in the source system, but they are because the data analysis from that different uh, departments. Take data from the different table, calculate it differently. So, so and many data quality issues can be resolved just by standardize standardization of uh, of, uh, of of business terms. And like one more uh, important aspect, because in the first phase, um, it's enough to implement this uh, program bottom up. I mean, to talk with the with the operational people and find out those problems and resolve the problems. Then you need to have this top management support i mean someone on the c level who, who really believes in the in the program uh, believe in the benefits uh, that it brings because uh, without that uh, commercial initiative will always push out uh, and and will slow down the, the the whole program so that's why we also decided to have data governance committee where uh, we have board members who discuss the priorities for the next uh, quarter 
strategy uh, strategy define the strategy together together with with me and my team um, uh, for for the next quarter and also deal with the and this is the place where we can discuss the data quality um, uh, problems that we have in the company. Uh, and even if we struggle with uh, standardization of some definition because organization cannot, like different departments cannot uh, align on some business terms, this is also the place where we can ask board members to decide. So which path we, we choose. Right. Well, and, and it can be okay to have different definitions if it's clear that they are different definitions. And you right? don't say like, it's shared on every... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you should, you, you should name it differently. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was laughing a little bit when you brought up churn because I used to um, run um, financial planning and, and analysis for uh, a startup and, well, a couple of different startups. And the concept of churn of, you know, is it dollar churn or is it Per, you know, number of accounts turn or is it, you know, okay, there's just all sorts of, there's, you know, net churn and gross churn and all this fun stuff. Um, I think there's probably within um, SaaS, there's probably 12 different ways that you can measure churn and all of them are valid and all of them tell you something different, but it's like, what's our churn number? Oh no, please don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> So um, well, one question I, I have that I'm asking a lot of people, because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of different approaches here, which, you know, and some evolve in, in different organizations and things. It's, it's, it's a bit of a confusing question at first, but I think you'll see where I'm going with it, which is, what are you seeing as the kind of genesis? What, what is the starting reason for most of your data products? Right. Some people are saying, okay, domains, we want you to share your information. So they share their information without a very specific business use case. Some, there's a very specific business use case and they push back into the domains and it may be multiple domains are kind of almost creating kind of micro data products to serve into that one combined data product need or that, that use case down, downstream. Where are you kind of focused on this? Are you focused on getting people to share more of their data or is it specific to use cases? What, what's kind of been working for you? Yeah, so it's defining by the reporting needs. So analytical uh, departments define what kind of KPI uh, they want to measure, tackle. And this is uh, how it's happening. But if uh, in the same time there is some use case that can be built on these data to uh, better uh, to, to 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 monitor the development of the of the product, this is also something that goes uh, uh, or is defined by the uh, analytical uh, de- departments. And those requirements becoming the requirements of the of the teams that are building some uh, th- th- those products. And that's that's kind of a common one of. There is a specific kind of downstream use case on that reporting side, and then other people discover that data, and they might say, "Okay, we want some additional data in this. Can you give us additional data?" And those data products expand. But I think um, what I'm I'm hearing from a lot of people is is that having that first use case really allows you to prove out the business value, right? You're, you're not kind of pushing out data for the sake of pushing out data and hoping it has value. There's a specific request that you're trying to meet. 
and you create a data product that's reusable. So it's not just only able to solve that single reporting, uh, whatever, but that you have that to aim for. So you, you can prove out that business value relatively easily and quickly. And, and that's why we go, you know, we go back to this ownership in the business hands because the business drives those and define those needs. Yeah. So if they need some additional data for the use case, they will push to make it happen. So they will make it a part of, uh, they will, uh, you know, make it part of their backlog also. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's why this interest of, of the business departments is important in this process. Yeah, and that communication between the business and the data side has traditionally never really worked well because you'd have the business side would go to the data engineers, the data engineers would go to the producers. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Office Space, but there's a guy who's who's describing his job and his job is to take the requirements from one team to the other. And and they really go, but what what actually do you do here? I, I don't want to throw data engineers under the bus in that way, because they're obviously doing a lot of work. But if we can get out of that communication chain and, and get people talking on the, the same uh, wavelength, then the business people can talk to the producers. And those producers might even have additional information that they go, oh, you're trying to figure this out. Okay, what if we actually added these couple of other things that could be interesting and useful to you? So I think a lot of what you're talking about of starting from the business and but involving them in the conversation instead of them saying this is what we want and then just throwing that over the wall that they're they're part of the constant conversation. Yeah. But this is this is the pr- the process and this is something that uh, like the the change of the mindset because people generally get used to that data engineers provide the data so we are still on the, at the beginning of the of the journey so this change management part this is still something that we plan to do uh, because it means that you have new roles and the responsibilities new ways of working new uh, processes uh, and this is something that we need those uh, business owners to to be prepared uh, to explain how they will be affected by this uh, by this transformation and convince that it's uh, worth to take part in that and it's difficult yeah because you know people are always resistant to the to the change and they need to see the the value for them in this process so uh, there is like you know there is there is a, we should first find change agent in one area focus on this one area that can do uh, one of the use cases together with us yeah and then help us uh, explain to other uh, parts of the organization that it helped him for example improve time to market because he doesn't need to wait uh, for my team to to prepare the data for him but because he has self-service platform and can use only SQL, he can do by by himself without our support. So it really improved time to market. And for the business, this is important. Yes, so this is something that can convince them to 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 take this additional responsibility to their area. It, it's funny because I've asked people, how do you measure your return on investment on data? And it's there isn't, you know, people expect because it's data that you're measuring a return on data that there should be a number or a whatever. But a lot of it's like time to market and things like that, where we understand that there's value, but there isn't a number 
value that you can really attach to it before you see the results. But but it's good that you're seeing these kind of continual proof points that you can then show to the next business owner that might have been more reluctant where you go, well, this person was able to launch this thing that traditionally, you know, when you've tried to do this, it took you six months. This took them six weeks. Like, do you, do you want to go from months to weeks? Like, exactly, exactly. So then, you know, everyone wants to at least try and try and see how it improves this time to market. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you, there are a couple of different ways that we could go from what, what you talked about um, a little bit ago. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times reworking team KPIs to kind of measure the success and, and value on, on uh, or um, focus on incremental value delivery. But also you talked about introducing new roles and responsibilities and, and how this isn't a sudden change. Which of those would you like to talk about first? Because I think both are, are really interesting topics. Yes, this is... So maybe first about these KPIs, because I I also want to present the effects of the transformation through those business uh, aspects, because this is still something new, the technology, this uh, this data, data mesh architecture. This is something that we need to be prepared um, that some change of the road need to be uh, needed yeah uh, and so i do not want to uh, present uh, and monitor uh, and uh, present the the, the be- benefits of this transformation just by explaining that we implement a virtualization tool or or something but by focusing on the on the uh, benefits visible in the business department, like for example, uh, decreasing the time that it's spent on these non-value-added tasks in data community, it means that they can uh, invest more time it in advanced data science. And as we know, every data data analytical data model brings additional revenue or help you reduce churn, etc. So, so, so many be- benefits be- 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 that advanced analytical analytics uh, brings. Uh, so this kind of aspect uh, or time to market. So this is something that we want to um, uh, track on a quarterly basis to show if it's really we see the progress in this transformation. Because we may as well implement a lot of technical enablers, but like what? The business, uh, they, they may not impact on the business at all. So one, one question when you're talking about incremental value delivery, what, there are a couple of people that I've talked to who say just focus on small win, small win, small win, right? Where it's like you can keep showing that you're adding value, but you're never really focusing on those kind of big wins that might even, even if you've improved your time to market, it's that you're reducing something from three years to three quarters, right? Like that it's still something that's big, big undertaking. So like... How have you balanced those those focuses between um, those small wins to prove out that this is working and that this has value versus those kind of big, heavy hit that could, if you do it really well, that nobody's traditionally really done those very well or very, very few. You know, it's uh, that whole scope creep of oh, well, we've got three years, we can keep throwing in additional scope. And it's like, no, you need to be narrowing your scope. And all, but like, how have you how have you balanced that? How have you balanced the kind of small wins, the high return on investment wins, because you don't have a high investment with the high, like, 
really big potential value wins, but you do have a significant upfront investment that you don't know if it's going to pay off until down the road. So there must be some kind of belief that it's worth doing, uh, and uh, and uh, of of the top, top management. Yeah, this is like similar F as with agile transformation. So you cannot really uh, calculate the exact benefits from the from the agile, but you believe that that it brings some uh, some uh, some some benefits, uh, maybe. Uh, not only revenue, but this faster time to market, for example, and it's hard to connect the time to market with the revenue. So, like, we will not avoid the belief that it's that it will uh, help help us be, um, you know, company that makes even better decision, yeah, uh, because they are made by the day based on data. Yeah, or or even higher trust decisions, right? Like that you you understand what the quality means and you understand if this thing doesn't have the highest quality, that you can't trust it. But instead of being like, you know, I, I'm sure you've had this, especially I've, I've had this with people's Excel spreadsheets where you're like, okay, I got an Excel. I have no idea how this was derived, where, you know, where this really came from how trustable this is. So I've got to go and get the source data and redo the same work to make sure that it makes sense and that I can understand like how this, this lines up. Um, you know, I did like a, a SQL training course. And if you did the query one with this data set, if you did the query one way, you know, of, of the joins going through, you know, these three uh, joins across these three tables, it the revenue number was like, four dollars and 16 cents out of like you know a five thousand dollar number but it was still you know uh what that's one or like 0.1 percent off but it's still like okay can i really trust if i go this way versus this other way it's 0.1 percent off does that matter in the greater scheme no but it's can i actually trust that the way that this data is calculated is correct right so like but knowing that that something isn't the highest trust or that it does meet certain quality standards means that you can feel more confident in making those decisions. And, and you've got like the ability, it's not, from my perspective, a, a lot of people have talked about, it's not even necessarily time to market of something incremental. It's time to incremental insight, right? Of, okay, we've got this thing and we we, instead of it being, okay, we're going to get this with a one-week lag where we can really trust it and understand it. It's a three, four-hour lag. So we can move quickly if we if we have to move that quickly. A lot of decisions, you don't have to move that quickly, but it can be, okay, we're testing out a new pricing model and, oh, nope, this is going real badly. We're, we're in day three and it's going real badly. Let's shift away from it. It's not working versus, oh, we tried it for a month and it cost us, you know, five percent of revenue for that of incremental revenue for that month so i think also you know what what helped us was this internal survey that we did because i mentioned this benchmark of the mckinsey this 30 percent time that is waste on these non-value added tasks so if data community could invest this time in some additional data models and we know that these demands is really uh, like high in the organization, so we rather need to stop the business because we are not able to de- deliver some uh, data models, and they are, and they know how the what what kind of uh, how how much money the models bring to their business. So 
if they hear that they can have like additional few due to the uh, you know uh, having uh, standardized uh, data collection and data catalog they will be more willing in taking part in this transformation because yeah. behind those data models there are money yeah yeah and and one thing that um Scott Hawkins had talked about in his episode was working with the producing teams to rework their KPIs as well, to really focus on um, delivering the value and that you needed that kind of C-level buy-in. Have you been involved? You know, you're, you're talking about measuring the results of, of this. Have you been involved in working with those teams as well to, to give them the time to actually do this and focus on this? Because if all you do is add an additional responsibility, you know, you're, that's, that's not going to get people very bought in that they should do this in most cases. So you either have to give them additional resources, or you have to give them additional time and tooling and, and things like that to work to do this. Yeah, but actually, we have one of the use cases that producers, my team, and the business uh, uh, sales team were were involved uh, because uh, maybe I will not not uh, you know pre- present the details, but uh, do you, because we start to monitoring this uh, this data, we show how they uh, decrease our revenue because we missing some of the uh, of the data. Yeah, so it. it uh, we we also present how much value they can bring if they can if if they will be correct in the systems. So it pushed uh, the 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 system owner to implement the changes in this in the system because there was push not only from from my area meaning data warehouse or data lake because it's you know it's something that can wait yeah but if the business or or says pushing on some changes this is the totally different story and they saw how much they waste because of of this problem yeah yeah i think that makes a lot of sense um and so i wanted to shift to the other question that um i had i had asked when i said the the kind of two different paths which was you're introducing new roles, new responsibilities, upskilling people. You're letting people know that this isn't that overnight change, that it's going to be <laughs> a, a longer term thing. So um, would love to hear kind of how you did that, how you identified what what should be a new role or what should be new responsibilities under an existing role and like how you're working with that that upskilling and how it's going and maybe some things that you've learned, some things that you would maybe do differently or some advice, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to weave that in, but you don't have to answer all of those up front. But you know what I mean? Like, let, if we can weave that in so that people can take what you've done, because it's being successful, right? Like you're being, you're, you're seeing a lot of success. So how can other people take what you've done and learn from it to, to implement in their own success? So I can share only this uh, this example from data governance area because those other roles this is something um, still that will be impl- implemented yeah but we started with uh, with these data owners data stewards uh, roles and it started with defining uh, defining the problem finding uh, the people in the it was in the controlling responsible for the for the topic so naturally uh, in this process we explain 
what are the responsibilities of data owners, like why we need data stewards to work with us on 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 this data, the, the defining data, data quality, uh, data metrics for for some data groups. So this is uh, so we started from the uh, from the defined use case, specific use case. So I do not believe in some general, you know, upskilling. So now we take uh, two teams and present what is data governance process, uh, how data catalog works. It will not work. So it needs to be connected with some process that they are in, that they are involved in. And are, are you having the, so the data owner slash data steward, is it different for each use case or do you have a standardized like thought around how that that should work? Because um, it can be a challenge where it's like, OK, in this domain, the data steward is going to be a much harder, bigger role versus in this kind of smaller domain that it might just be additional responsibility underneath one person versus Okay, we have to bring somebody in new. So how have you how have you seen that work? Data like data data owners should be someone uh, in a director role, so someone responsible for the whole uh, whole department. Uh, but and the data steward, these are people who closely work with the with the data, so they understand the data, uh, and they are first who uh, for for whom the data those data are, are important they are because they are used use those data for reporting or for some use cases so this is this is how they are defined so do you find that that's more subject matter expert or is that data expert subject or? yes subject subject matter experts okay because um you know it's it's one of those things of i've seen some companies splitting it into three different aspects because they've got that kind of business concept owner, right? That that um, data owner that you've got. You've got the kind of business concept steward, and then the actual data steward, where they're they're putting that onto somebody who can really really understand how the data works, instead of just the you know. I start to talk about this if there's a difference between the information and the data. The information is the the ones and zeros of the data plus the, the the metadata and the concepts and how all that is is kind of embedded in there. So, um, but that there still needs to be somebody who actually understands how to model data and how to process data and, you know, the, the cost benefits of, okay, well, we could do all of this in streaming, but it's going to cost us 10x more. And there's not really a big... Uh, business benefit to doing this versus doing micro batch in, you know, and it's still going to be instead of it's available in a minute, it's available in 10 minutes, but our use case requires it to only be available within two hours. So who cares? Right? Yeah, but that, that's the additional role of technical data stewards. Yeah. So this is this is somehow someone who is closer. He's data engineer, for example. So it's closer data, data warehouse or data lake. So you do have that kind of secondary role of the technical group. Yes, for for some data groups, yes. Well, and I think that's also something that's emerging is there isn't a one size fits all, which which frustrates people. But like you just said, for some groups, right? There are some groups where it it doesn't need it. It's not necessary. Um, there are a lot of uh, data products and use cases and things like that where. 
um, like Max Schulze at Zalando had talked about this uh, a bit in his episode where for a lot of their domains, they don't need an embedded data engineer. They don't have complicated enough of challenges. You know, a couple of other people have talked about that there's a standard schema and data model and thing that they have within the company, like you'd have with a data warehouse, but you're not forcing everyone to use it if it doesn't fit the use case. But you provide these these standard SLAs, these standard schemas, these standard formats, these standards, and... 70, 80% of the people can just use that and they can they can provide high quality data that fits what people need without all the 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 kind of effort of going into super deep technical things. So exactly because you know, even when you mentioned this SLA, yes, yeah, so there are some data groups that we we cannot have, like the correctness of the data should be like almost one hundred percent. Yeah. So for these specific data groups we have separate SLA, uh, but there are some data groups that time doesn't matter um, or, or the, the correct, maybe not correctness, but completeness of the data. Uh, it would be enough to have 95, yeah, because it will not impact negatively the analytics. So let's say analyze it by the use case by use case. Yeah, that, that one size fits all of people expect all data to be 100% correct and, and they expect it then, or, or when you ask somebody, they say, I want it real time. And you're like, what does real time mean? And they're like, well, in the data warehouse, it's been 48 hour delay. I want it within two hours. It's like, that's not real time. Like, I'm glad I asked that question. Um, so we talked about this a little bit in the uh, in the, the pre-call as well, which was there are challenges that can come up when you democratize your data. You know, we're talking about you know, you don't have to be too technical. You can access a lot of this stuff via SQL or, you know, even just a business logic layer that you've, you've built on top of that. But um, a couple of people have mentioned this in, in previous episodes about if you provide self-serve to access to the data without the actual understanding of what they're accessing, people can form, uh, you know, analysis results that don't make any sense because they don't really understand what's going on and, and things like that. I think we've all kind of had that of, uh, again, I don't want to just keep referencing office space, but there's that jump to conclusions, Matt, right? Where you can easily um, have somebody that's kind of uh, jumping to their, their results when they didn't really understand what was happening. So we'd love to hear how you're kind of managing that um, or, or if you've run across those issues already and, and you don't have a solution, that's totally fine, right? Like everybody's hitting those, but like, how are you approaching that challenge? Yeah, so so for that, we need the standardized processes and like for for more adva- less advanced um, users, uh, data catalog in our case should be this one a single point of contact with the data. So we rather plan to prepare the the uh, certified uh, data sets for them or certified uh, reports, uh, standardized definition. When, so in this data catalog, they can easily find 
relevant business term connected with the data set and the report that they they probably need and, and search for for the information about some uh, this uh, this KPI let's say so uh, so uh, standardization these data governance foundation are needed yes to have successful data data mesh uh, and live in this data mesh uh, architecture yeah i think uh, that's interesting that you've you said that for the less technical people the data catalog is the only the single point of access versus cuz it's not something that's come up in the conversations but i think now that you've said that, if I went back and asked a lot of people, they would kind of have that same thing of there needs to be that that single and that single experience as well, where, you know, data products may have very different information in them. So, you know, a data scientist may have to have kind of a couple of different ways that they access different data products and they're capable of doing that. You'd like to have a single experience so people don't have to learn an entirely, it's like learning an entirely new, um, you know, BI SaaS solution for each data product or whatever, that they've got a completely different experience. But especially for these non-technical people, that's such a high hurdle that they, if they have to completely learn a new uh, way of working uh, for every single data product. So I really like that you said that, but that there's a little bit uh, less restriction around the other folks that are maybe more technical that that you trust them to not get themselves in trouble and to be able to to get over those hurdles. Yes. So we had talked a little bit about this in the pre-call about taking the organizational principles and and like what we're trying to have the team focus on and not just focus on the tech, but shape what you're doing with this to drive the business. Because a lot of the tech people, I, I constantly have the, these conversations with the tech people of it with doing data mesh that they want to focus exclusively on the tech instead of keeping them focused on why does this matter? How does this drive the business forward? Have you had challenges around that? Or how have you kept people focused on actually doing that? Focused on um, what what really matters in the end when you're doing something like a business transformation? Um, like we, it, it's uh, this transformation. This is cross organizational initiative. So we really closely work with all other departments, and uh, because we have this um, uh, agile, we work in agile. Yes, so every quarter we prepare together with this business representative. So what in next quarter is important for you? And based on that, we prepare also our roadmap. So we do not define, you know, separately only in our department. So what we want to do, what is, you know, next fancy technology that we want to implement, but rather ask uh, the business. So what are your priorities for the, for the next uh, quarter? So as we could uh, prepare for that, yeah? and be ready to deliver those products uh, for for you. Yeah, and I think, yeah, just constantly focusing on why does this matter, right? Like a lot of people really love the technology because it's an interesting challenge and getting focused on that that technology aspect is, um, again, it's it's fun and interesting for, for people, but uh, 
this has to have a point, right? If, if you don't have the challenges that like you mentioned at the very start, if you don't have business challenges, don't do a transformation. <laughs> yes, but because, you know, this transformation is not for all because maybe it's enough just to stay as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have, or, or maybe you have even like bigger problems in the organization that we that you need to uh, resolve and uh, you know postpone the transformation for the like later. Yeah. So so it's it's not for all. So if you do not have like the real problems that you want to resolve by this transformation, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Fully. Uh, I very very much agree. So. Um, so we've we've covered a whole lot of of different things, and I think it's going to be very useful for a lot of people to uh, to listen back to this, and especially for those technical people. I, I really uh, encourage you to listen back to this uh, episode um, a couple of times. Honestly, you know, maybe once every six months to really center yourself back on the business part is what drives this. Like what what are we actually trying to do? But so we covered a lot of things. Is there anything we didn't cover um, that you'd, you'd like to to kind of in closing or is there any way that you'd like to kind of wrap up the episode? Uh, I just, you know, want to highlight that this uh, top management support is needed in a, such a long-term t- transformation. So without that, without conv- convincing top management that it's worth doing, also not doing yeah because it will be really really difficult to to fight with commercial initiative and uh, and so so prepare prepare for that to convince the top management well and and you've got to have yeah you've got to have somebody that that has your back and when you go into these things of like you said to prioritize i've i've talked to a couple of people trying to do it as kind of a skunk works and it's like that's you're just never going to be able to invest enough in this you you've got to have that that backup to really prioritize this so well again uh carolina this has been really great uh really enjoyed the conversation if people want to follow up with you about what we talked about today or anything else, uh, where's the best place and, and what specifically, if, if there's anything that you would want them to follow up with you about? So you can contact me on, on the LinkedIn. So I ask if you have any question about like how to work with the business, how to convince organization to make such a transformation on any others, just please link, um, contact me. Yeah, I think I think that driving buy-in, you'll get a lot of people reaching out to you <laughs> to ask you about how to drive that buy-in. So again, uh, Carolina, this has been such a, a great conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. I'd again like to thank my guest today, Carolina Hensel, Data Enablement Tribe Lead at T-Mobile Polska. As per usual, you can find a link to her LinkedIn in the show notes. Thank you. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. April of 2023, I left Datastax, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. 
our offerings are affordable and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.